Who do you work for, really? Each one of us has a calling. Have you heard this before? Your workplace is your mission field, wherever that may be. You either work for him or work against him, but you work for someone. Who do you really work for? Is it your clients, your boss, your family, yourself, or your Lord? This isn't a trick question. There is a right answer. You're either all in or all out. Are you for him? I am. In fact, I work for him. Hey, Jim, who do you work for? I work for him. I work for Jesus Christ. I want to be your let me introduce you to the host of the I Work For Him show, Jim Brangenberg. Welcome, welcome, welcome. You've tuned into the I Work For Him radio show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. Take a minute and listen. I Work For Him, is, it's not a program that you sign up for. It's a mentality. It's a way of living. It's a permanent shift in your Christ-following paradigm. It's a revolution that's happening in the workplace, and it's about bringing the kingdom of God into places where the kingdom is ignored. Keep in mind that your existence in your workplace, it's not by chance. It doesn't matter what you do or where you do it. Whether you're a pastor, a car mechanic, an attorney, a teacher, a mom, a used car salesperson, your work, it matters to God. And he expects you to be his representative in your workplace. And in your workplace, to recognize that that's your mission field. And in that mission field, you may be the only Jesus your coworkers and employees may ever meet. Now, I know you've heard me say this tons and tons of times, but every day we need to be reminded that going to work is not just to draw paychecks so we can buy groceries. Going to work every day is an opportunity to be a light for Christ. Each day on the I Work For Him show, we try to bring you the practical, the tactical, the factual, and the biblical ways to incorporate your faith into your workplace. I don't come to you as an expert. I don't come to you as somebody that's got this all figured out. I'm just one guy trying to live my life transparently so that you can maybe gain something in order to be an effective witness for Christ in your workplace. Our paradigm shift is described like this. Romans 12.2, don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Welcome to the I Work Ram Zone. I hope you're never the same. Today we're talking about strong women in the workplace and at home. We've got Donna Clute with New Life Solutions joining us for a discussion. Donna, great to have you on the show today. Thanks for having me today, Jim. Glad to be here. All week long, we're doing the focus on women, Christian women in business. And, and it's not that we haven't talked about women in business, but it's that we really need to focus on a woman perspective of which I really struggle giving. And so I brought on, I just want to state the obvious, but you know, I've, I've got lady guests all week long and I want to, because you, you as a woman look at things differently than I do as a man. Yep. Sure. do. <laughs> and now that I'm done stating the obvious, we can just move on with the rest of the show. Okay. As a basis for our discussion, I'd love for my listeners just to hear how Christ has impacted your life. Okay. Um, I look at my life that Jesus has been planning for me forever. It feels like Jeremiah twenty nine eleven was written specifically for me, that he has a purpose and a plan. And uh, all my work experience, all my life experience seems to have directed me to specifically where I'm at. Uh, my giftings, my uh, my spiritual gifts, my um, personality bends, all those things work towards that. Uh, God uses my rebellious period of my life to glorify him um, now through testimony. He uses my uh, work experience to build um, really great um, opportunities for us in ministry. And also allows me to say that's probably not a path we want to take. So 
all those sort of things. And uh, it's from my birth to my life now, everything is directing to the same spot spot in, in this time for me. That's awesome. And, I, you know, I've, I know, I've known you for a lot of years already. And in and, and your role as well, you're, you're like superwoman at New Life Solutions, uh, you're in charge of marketing, you're in charge of what are all the different titles? I was listening to your voicemail today when I was leaving you that message. Super duper woman on marketing. What, what are all the different things that they... Uh, I'm the director of marketing and media strategies. Marketing and media strategies. Yeah. And that covers not just talking to um, our constituents, donors, volunteers, um, but it also covers... Uh, getting the word out to the clients that we're trying to reach and pulling all those in together. I'm also Saul's executive assistant, so I help him with everything. And which one of those is a full-time job? Uh, yes. <laughs> <laughs> those those of the listeners that live here in Pinellas County and now in Tampa, because you guys have a representation in Tampa, Saul Pitchon is a guy that is always going somewhere. And to be able to keep track of him and keep him on task and uh, get him to, you know, when you, somebody gives him five minutes to get him to stay in five minutes, all of those are very, those are difficult jobs. Yeah, they are. All right, we're going to talk more about New Life Solutions later on the show because it is an organization that you, the Christ follower, needs to hear about because the things that they do that impact our community are fantastic. But we're going to get into our discussion about women in, Christian women in business now. All right, Donna, all week long, we're talking about Christian women in the workplace. Why do you feel this is a relevant topic? Um, there's a lot of confusion about women's roles, um, either from a biblical perspective or from a world perspective. And I think it's really great to help women, especially women of faith, understand that they don't have to compromise one for the other, and that it's really important to recognize um, that God created us to serve Him. For some of us, it's creating us to serve Him in the workplace. For others, it's creating us to serve at home as full-time moms. For others, it's it's varied roles of volunteers and things along that line. But it's, it's important to recognize what's God's plan, what's His direction, and um, how can you, how can we best use how God's gifted us, whether we're in the workplace or someplace else. So you've you've always had a job. You've never had. Have you ever been a stay-at-home mom? Yeah, I was a stay-at-home mom when my kids were little. Okay, and uh, you know, went in and out of the workplace a little bit. Um, did kind of a hybrid. You know, sold Tupperware at night so I could spend home all day with the kids, which gave Dad one-on-one time with the kids at night as well. So, um, you know, I would. I made sure that my kids knew that they were important. I was a huge Tupperware fan. I mean, I, I think that I I think the the reason Tupperware is no longer the name today that it should be is because they never had co-ed parties. <laughs> I mean, Pampered Chef parties they have, they bring men into the Pampered Chef parties. That's genius. Guys totally buy into that stuff. Tupperware parties shouldn't have been just for women. Uh, you know, it was funny when I did parties. I did some co-ed parties and. Um, is really perfect for the person who's in transit. So, like, military wives were, like, the best market to get into because they move every two years. So if you could teach them how to use Tupperware to organize their life, then they just take all these little organized plastic boxes and stick them in a big cardboard <laughs> box and move them to the next spot, which kind of is like our workplace. You know, we if we can realize how to organize all the different parts, 
it transfers everywhere we go, whether it's our faith, it's our personality skills, it's our gifts. Look at you all staying on task on me. Okay. <laughs> Wait a minute. Okay. All right. I want to talk about Tupperware for a minute. Okay. All right. Listen, you and I are a lot alike. We both have strong personalities. Uh, that's the understatement. We both have strong personalities. Although you've got a little I. You said you're a D-I, right? I'm a D-I. Yeah. And I'm just a D. Okay. So for those of you who don't know what I'm talking about, we're talking about the DISC profile, D-I-S-C, and you got to look it up online so you can understand it more. We don't have time to go into that today, but <clears throat> D stands for dominant, strong personalities, people that are leaders, people that, um, it, it's, I don't know, I don't know how else better to describe it, really just dominant is the word, <laughs> okay, sorry about that. Okay, you've got natural leadership talent, you're high, strong, and you love to multitask, so like I said, we're a lot alike. But being a Christ-following woman, you're expected to be submissive to to your to Christ. I, I got myself messed up. Okay, so you got being a, being a, being a woman, you're supposed to be submissive to Christ and also submissive to your husband. Who I've met your husband, and he's not a D. That would be the opposite of that. So for me, it, it, it's easier for Martha to be a, a follower. I mean, to submit to me because I'm a leader. And it's a natural role for her. But for you, you're the leader. How do you manage your role during the day where you, you're the leader, you know, you don't, you don't, Saul doesn't report to you, but everybody else kind of like, oh, we got to get Donna's the go-to person because you're kind of the juggler coordinator during the day. And then at home, you're the supportive spouse. How do you, how do you balance that? It's taken me about 28 years to figure that out. And, uh, you know, it's really staying on task with what scripture says. And so there's times where I get out of line because uh, the D just takes over. But it's recognizing (laughs) that um, when my husband says something, he means it because he very rarely um, ever grabs hold of that leadership role. Uh, Not that he's not the leader in the home, but when I have an idea, I speak up. When he has an idea, he mulls it over, then speaks up. Uh, so he thinks before he speaks. Yes. That's a really cool gift. Yeah, That's not one I got. I don't think these have it at all. So. <laughs> <laughs> so. I'm pretty sure you're right. Uh, so, um, and he's an SC, so we've got the whole gamut in our in our home. Um, but learning how to, to recognize that um, it's not fair for me to take away the roles that God gave him was really important. So being in the Word is where that really came important. And watching other strong women... Um, model it has really helped me over the years. Yeah. No. Well, listen, we got to take a break. When we come back, I want to I want to talk about how it can be easy for a woman to submit to her husband if your husband would just do one thing. It's time to highlight a book that I think will impact your life for Christ. And it's, as always, it's brought to you by Karis Christian Books and Gifts. This past weekend, Martha and I had the chance to watch the new movie that's out on DVD called God's Not Dead, and it's based on a book. That's by the same title, God's Not Dead. In the movie, philosophy professor, I can't remember his last name, like Atkinson or something like that, starts off his philosophy class saying, let's just get this out of the way and just every one of you just admit that God is dead and we'll just be able to move on to a different part of the class. And so everybody starts writing, God is dead, God is dead, God is dead. And Josh, who is the new Christian freshman in class, said, I can't do that. God's not dead. And so he goes head to head with this philosophy professor in the classroom, arguing that God is not dead. And that's what this movie is about. I totally recommend that you get this movie for your family, for your teenagers, for your college students, and also get a copy of the book. Again, God's not dead. You need to read the book and watch the movie.
Welcome back. I have Donna Clute with New Life Solutions here in the studio, and we're talking about strong women in the workplace and at home. And I said right before the break, Donna, that I've got the answer to solving all the problems for how a woman can be easily submissive at home, even for a strong D personality. And you, <laughs> this is the great part was, during the break, Donna looks at me, she's like, okay, what kind of bomb are you going to drop on me now? <laughs> As only a friend could do. So here's, here's the key. If every Christ-following husband would just love their wives like the Scriptures say it should be loved, like the Scriptures say she should be loved, the way Christ loved the church. Husbands, love your wives like Christ loved the church and gave himself up for her. If every man would treat his wife that way, no woman on this entire planet would have a hard time submitting to that man. So long as she's following the equal command that she is to respect her husband. And as a D, that's a difficult thing to do, not because I don't love him and not because I don't respect him, but as a D, that that kind of takes over sometimes. So yeah, he's got to love me, but I've really got to pay attention to that command to respect him. Right, and that's all found in Ephesians, excuse me, in yeah, Ephesians 5, chapter 5, verses 25 through 32, if you want to read the scripture, but it is, it, the whole idea is that husbands, we're supposed to lead out. It's our job. So that's a little off topic for today, but it's a key, when you're, especially when you have a wife that's a D. If you're going to love her like Christ loved a church, that's the way to at least give her some reason to, to follow your lead at home because you're actually leading like Christ. All right, so there's a lot of gender bias in the workplace. That's the, that's the way I see it. And, and I've, you know, I've grown up in the women's liber, liberalization, liberal, why? In the women's liber generation, where women were definitely stuffed in a corner in the 60s and before that. You know, I grew up in the 70s, the 80s, and today women have a lot more opportunity than they ever had before. But, but not enough. I mean, there's still a lot of women that are being, there, there's this inequality. And, and and bias. How have you been able to overcome gender bias in your work life? I've really been blessed because even though I've seen that it exists and I know that there's times where I wasn't getting paid what I should, I seem to end up in, in situations where because of my D personality, I still keep pressing towards the top. I've been creative director. I've been... Um, uh, department head for a re- retail store. Uh, there's a lot of things that I've done that were should have been heavily men roles that God just allowed me to walk into. So how did okay, so when you're in the workplace obviously there's a lot of women that were in that workplace as well. How did they treat you when you were getting those roles that men typically got but they were still stuck in their female roles? Uh, you know there's it was interesting uh, that you asked that question. There, it was interesting how they re- responded. Uh, a lot of women were very glad to see that I got the role, and then there were other women who questioned how I got the role. Um, and so being able to witness what their response was and then respond back to them, um, not directly if they didn't respond to directly to me, but letting them know that um, I work hard, I give a hundred and. 10% at everything I do. Which is, by the way, physically impossible. Uh, yeah, but you've seen it. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I have. I, I'm convinced there's 28 hours in the day, and I'm going to figure out how to access that other four. And, you know, so I'm, I'm, I'm 
I'm there and I'm doing my job. And that speaks for itself. And uh, even those people who at first uh, resist because I'm in a role or I've gotten a position will usually, after they witness me for a while, recognize uh, I got it because I earned it. Nobody handed it to me. There is... Yeah, today it's a lot easier for a woman to excel in the workplace than it was all those years back. But it, it's still, there are still a lot of jobs where that's typically a woman job, that's typically a man job, and I don't know how it started that way. But I mean, there are certain things that women do a lot better than men. <laughs> Clearly, uh, inter, uh, emotional interactions with people are way done way better than women by women than men. How? You know, in the in the roles that you place, like right now, you work in an office place full mostly of women. Is there any men that work there other than Saul? We have three men on staff counting Saul, and they're all on the more to life side of the ministry. Yeah, more to life, our youth development program. Yeah. Okay. Well, not that it would be appropriate to have a bunch of men in a in a birthing center or some of the other women shaped ministries. But how do you deal with the conflict uh, with women in the workplace when they don't? I don't know when they're, maybe they're jealous or I mean it, it's it's different because guys we could compartmentalize our anger you know we we could say okay that's fine that's Bob in accounting I can just deal with him I could just go on and do my job and not worry about Bob in accounting but women don't think like that women are they, they everything is intermingled so how do you how do you deal with the, the conflict because it seems like conflict between women and the workplace is a little more intense than with men. Fortunately, where we're at, um, we don't have a lot of issue with it um, because we follow the um, Jesus' instructions of Matthew on how to resolve conflict. If there's a problem, we go and we address it. Um, and if we're uncomfortable addressing it, we go to Saul, we talk to him about it, and then he tells us how to go forward and, and address it. So we've got it there. We've got counsel with one another, and, and so we follow that model. Uh, the advertising agency I worked with, that was a huge problem. Um, we had only a few men um, on staff. Only one of them was in the office. The rest of them um, were out in the field, and so it was all women. And uh, I think they were taking bets during deadlines as how long it would take me to make the production coordinator cry each deadline when I was creative director. And not that I ever intended to, but I, as a D, I kind of think of this is the task. Let's follow that task. Let's move forward with it. And she brought all kinds of other stuff into the workplace and was very emotional. And I was constantly making her cry. Again, never intending to. It was just byproduct of me being me. (laughs) And, uh, you know, uh, but where the conflict would come in a lot of times was they wouldn't ask questions they'd make assumptions and make and and move forward and so i think that was a big part of it and i think that can happen on both sides but you're right guys go into the workplace this is work and they walk out of work it's not work anymore they'll go and have a have a, a a lunch or something with somebody that they're angry with at the office but can socialize with them and have no problem with it where women we carry it with it all of our emotions carry from everything to everything there, we don't have compartments everything's tied together and so i think that's one of the biggest issues with it all right so th- the basis of all of this is that god designed men and women very differently extremely differently and i think that and that's in the humor of our heavenly father that he did that i, I think it's important to know because a lot of people don't really think this i mean we've been taught in science today that basically men and women are the same and they're not. We have arms and legs the same, and we have heads and eyeballs and nose, but really, things are very different. In, inside our brains, a, a, the, way you, the way women think versus the way men think, very, very differently. 
So when you look at what a woman brings to the workplace versus what a man brings to the workplace, what what qualities does a woman bring into the workplace that a man cannot and likely will not bring? We bring the same qualities that we do to, to motherhood. Um, and I apologize to anybody who disagrees with me on this. I don't care if people uh, disagree. We're okay. <laughs> if they disagree, text me. That's right. Uh, and the reason I say that is that... Um, you know, women bring the nurturing into the workplace. Um, it's drastically different in our office between when I pick up food for a meeting than when one of our guys picks up food for a meeting. Um, I pick up food because I want to make everybody comfortable and happy and, and take care of them, and it's me being mommy to the people that are in the meeting. Where when the guys do it, they grab whatever's easy on the way in, bagels, donuts, <laughs> and, and pop it there on, on the thing. And it's different thinking. And so I think mo- I think women bring into the workplace what they bring into the home. They do the nurturing um, and look after the needs of what's going on in the office. And we pay attention that the air conditioning doesn't work right in this section of the building or um, this person's um, having problems with their chair. We tend to care a little bit more about that. The guys are kind of like, it's a chair. Who cares about the chair? It's a chair. So uh, a little bit different. Donna, right before the break, we started talking about the quality that a woman brings to the workplace that a man cannot and likely will not bring, <laughs> and this is definitely a will not bring, is nurturing. And and I got to tell you, that is, as a man, it is a, that is a skill to learn. Whereas a woman, that tends to come, not always, but it tends to come naturally. What is nurturing? Oh, wow. What does nurturing look like to you? Nurturing in the workplace um, is really just making sure that everybody's needs are being met. And uh, when you work in a building that's full of women, um, we're all kind of competing to, for that same same role. But um, it's, it's making sure that, uh, that people are comfortable in the workplace, making sure they have what they need, um, listening to them, asking them how their weekend was. Uh, the young woman who works for me, Ashley, uh, just came back from a, t- a trip to uh, Scotland, and so spending Scotland, some, Scotland, uh, spending some time with, with her today at lunch, just letting her tell me about her trip and uh, just enjoying one another's company. Uh, We feed each other. One of our staff members, uh, she brings in leftovers every day. Uh, There's no going hungry in our office. She feeds everybody. I noticed the fridge last Friday was ridiculously overfull. It always is. Uh, Every Friday is ridiculously full. So, yeah, we, so, you know, we're all about making sure that the needs are met, the basic needs, uh, and then making sure that the work needs are met. And there are some guys who bring nurturing into the workplace. Um, Saul's one of those men. Um, He listens to us, and he's the one who initiates conversation of how's your family, how is your marriage, um, how you're, you know, how are your pets even? Uh, and so he's asking the questions and listening and really listening. It's not enough just to ask the question. You've got to listen to the answer as well. <laughs> Say that part again. That is so key for every man listening out there. Uh, it, it's not enough to ask the question. You've got to listen to it. And you, you, you wait, can wait, tell wait, you they're get, listening. You, gotta, no, no, you missed it. It's not enough to ask the question. You have to listen to the answer. You missed that part. you got to listen to the answer. Gentlemen out there, that's the free tip for the day. If you ever want to make your marriage stronger than ever and have your all your daughters to love you, not only ask the questions, but listen for the answers. My daughter Sarah may be listening today, and that's something she says to me all the time. Dad, 
I told you that answer already. I'm sorry. I asked you the question, but I didn't listen for the answer. It's so terrible. Okay, so for women, nurturing in the workplace comes naturally, but for a man, that's real work. So you're saying Saul's pretty good at it. Do you think men can learn to nurture their employees? I think they can. And uh, really, it's them wanting to. Uh, they they they're asking them to do it if they don't want to, want to do it isn't going to happen. But the man who really wants to connect in his workplace and really wants to learn how to be more of a servant leader is going to, to listen to um, what's being said in the workplace and understand. You know, I think when you, when you look back at it, Christ was a fantastic example of a nurturer. He was. And, and, and again, he, all of his disciples were all... They were pretty rough and tumble kind of guys. So nurturing wasn't something that they knew really well. I mean, I don't know how many real offshore fishermen you know, but they're a little rough. And a couple thousand years ago, I imagine they were rougher because their boats were 20 feet long and, you know, they didn't have, you know, compartments to hide in in 40-foot seas. So nurturing was something that Jesus taught them. And really, Jesus also taught his disciples the value of women because in that culture, they were devalued completely. They were like property. And so Jesus raised them up to be equals, to recognize that, yes, you have different roles. You're built differently. You're by our Heavenly Father, but one is not greater than the other. And that is so important. <clears throat> okay, so you, I, I, so I want the nurturing thing is something that I'd like to challenge every male supervisor out there to learn what does it mean to be a nurturer. But for every woman out there, if you've got a man supervisor, teach him. Don't don't expect men to read your minds. Go ahead and help them. You know, boss, it would be really helpful if you would do this. Then it would actually make it sound like you care. That Those are powerful, powerful things. And women who are in support roles in their organizations, um, it's helpful when you tell your boss um, what he can do to um, demonstrate nurturing to his staff. Uh, telling them when somebody's birthday is or that somebody just had to put their dog down or what it is that you know that's going on in the staff that they don't know. And so helping your boss learn it by telling them when he, when they should respond to it. Okay, but you're a type D personality. You're, you're a strong personality. How's your nurturer within you? Because typically Ds aren't real good at nurturing. That's where my eye shows up. Okay. My eye is all about the party. And to be a good hostess at a party, you make sure that all the needs are met. And so nurturing for me, that's where that comes in at. Um, 28 years ago, not so good. But now I, I'm, I'm much better at it. So Bob's had that kind of an effect on you. Partly Bob, partly having two kids, <laughs> partly being 28 years older. <laughs> yeah, and time does have a way of... Of shaping us, and and I think in a positive way. I know that my time with the Lord these last let's see, they're, they're the thirty five years. I'm a completely different person than I was thirty five years ago, mm-hmm. and I'm so grateful. And Martha's been part of my life for thirty two of those years, but it is. I like that molding part because I'm not I'm not nearly as everybody people still think I'm abrasive. <laughs> they have no idea. Okay, so Proverbs thirty one is a chapter in the scriptures that talks about. This enterprising woman and all of what she does. I mean, really, it's just like superwoman in the scriptures. Yes. What are all the responsibilities that she describes as a Proverbs 31 woman? Um, She really talks about um, some key things in there. Uh, 
she she recognizes that there's a balance. So when you look, read everything in there, she's in the marketplace and she's making deals. She's taking care of her family. She's up early. She uh, stays up late to meet all the needs. She's making sure the neighbors are taken care of. She's making sure those that work for the family are taken care of. Um, she is making the meals and also watching the flocks. And so this Proverbs 31 woman, she's doing it all. Um, but I think sometimes we make the mistake when we're looking at the Proverbs 31 woman at that description, and we see this woman doing it all herself, um, all on her own. And the reality is, is she has God as her helper, but she's doing this in partnership with her husband. This Proverbs 31 woman is not this self-entity. This Proverbs 31 woman is part of a partnership with her husband and with her life partner, her spouse. And I think that's that's not something that's often brought out when somebody talks about a Proverbs 31 woman. They, they talk about her ability to do just the ingenuity that's part of who she is. They don't really talk about the fact that she's doing this in conjunction with her husband. Right. And I think part of I think that's something that's missed all the way across the board on it. Proverbs 31 is such a powerful section in there. But if we take a look at where it was written, it was written by Solomon. It's written by the king who had all the wives, all the concubines. But he's writing this about the woman that he loved and that this is what she brings to the marriage, what she brings to the partnership. And so he's writing this about it because this is what she does in partnership with him. And so when we take a look at that and we begin to recognize it, this is what we do in partnership with Jesus. So all these same things we do in our relationship with him, this is what we do in our partnership with our husbands. And so this is how we lead, by doing all these things and recognizing we can't do it alone. You know, we've got to do it in partnership. Now, when we colonized America, uh, wives had similar roles that the Proverbs 31 woman does. But in today's world, a lot of wives are, um, they don't have the privilege of being at home and raising their kids. And yes, I call it a privilege because I think it is the ultimate privilege for any woman to actually raise her own children. But, and I I know some people have horrible, you know, their, their, kid, their kids could use a little bit more discipline, not horrible, sorry. Their kids could use some more discipline, but I think that maybe if they were home, they could maybe have some of that. But it's a, such a privilege. I, I just stepped all over myself on that one, but I'll, I'll live through it. I'm sure I'll be bloodied later. But it is such a privilege to be a mom. But today, no, very few families have the luxury to have a stay-at-home mom. Right. And I call it a luxury. It is a luxury. And... Um, that goes back to listening to Dave Ramsey's shows where he's talking about when you make it a priority, you figure out how to make it work in the budget. And there were times where we did without things we wanted so that I could be at home and stay with the kids. But it was costing us nearly as much to pay for somebody to watch the kids as it was for me to work. So it just made a lot of sense for me to be home. Well, and, and it makes it just brings such a level of stress relief to the family when the wife is home with the children. And a lot of times now today we have guys that are home with children and that works too, but guys are not as good at nurturing the kids as a woman. Guys really have to learn learn that process, but there's a lot of guys doing that today. But the stay-at-home mom today um, has such a privilege, but she's doing the same things as a Proverbs 31 woman because a lot of times if the mom is stay-at-home, she still needs to be creative in, in all the things that she's doing. All right, Donna, the Proverbs 31 woman has a lot of expectations. What kind of encouragement can you offer women in business as they step out in faith to be a Proverbs 31 woman? First of all, don't do it alone. You, you, can't, you can't do this alone. Um, it's important to have Christ as your center. It's important that your husband is your partner. But um, find a, a female Christian business leader who will mentor you. 
um, if you're new to this, you need that mentor, somebody who's going to show you what they've done wrong and what they've done right. And then to have an accountability partner, somebody else who's about the same stage that you are that will hold you accountable for, you know, that wasn't a very Christian act that you had, or, you know, you're really neglecting your husband and your children, um, that's going to hold you accountable to that and and point you through that. And so I'm blessed to have had many women in my life over the years and to be able to look at them and ask them help over the years, but to also be able to know that I'm not alone and that I'm not the only person who's done this and I'm not ever going to be the only person who does it. Well, and it is important. We've got a lot of single moms out there that really, they do, unfortunately, do all the roles of the Proverbs 31 woman and they have to do the role of fatherhood too. Yes. Which women don't do well. No. It's, it's not what they were designed to do. And it's that's not a cut on any single moms because the single mom job, the hardest one on the planet. It is. just And it... We as leaders and supporters within the Church of Jesus Christ around the globe need to be lifting up and providing help for those single moms. And that's really what New Life Solutions does. Yes. That one, of, one of the divisions of New Life Solutions is the one that I first heard about years and years ago, Shepherd's Village. Mm-hmm. That's just one of five divisions under New Life Solutions. What, what are all the things that New Life Solutions does? Actually, we have six outreaches. Sorry, now. I missed one. Okay. <laughs> uh, well, we had a merger, so that added one that you weren't aware of. So uh, we began in 1985 as Pregnancy Center of Pinellas County in Pinellas Park with an 800-square-foot storefront, um, helping women understand um, all their options when they're in an unplanned pregnancy. We now have three locations in Pinellas County under the name of Pregnancy Center uh, of Pinellas County, and we have two locations in Tampa called A Woman's Place, and they began in 1989 and just merged with us uh, July 1st. So we're really excited to have them a part of the family and to reach both sides of the bay uh, for life. And so when a woman comes in there, she thinks she's pregnant or she knows she's pregnant, she's looking for options. She's looking uh, for options, yeah. And so you guys will give them the pregnancy test, but you'll also, well, your goal is to offer them, uh, not an ultrasound, what are they, a sonogram today? Or? Uh, ultrasound, sonogram, same thing. Um, yeah, we provide them all the resources they know. So we educate them on what all their options are. We equip them with resources that they need to make their decision. And when they've made a life decision, we equip them with resources that they need to move forward and the education the equipping and our support with them empowers them to make healthy choices and to make lifestyle changes and so we educate on all the options that are available but of course we counsel for life um, asking them to consider this child that they're carrying we want to advocate on the part of that child who doesn't have a voice and we also want to help these women understand that they don't have to take the quickest easiest answer because in the long term that's not the best solution for them and obviously not the best solution for their child. Well, and obviously there are millions, unfortunately, millions and millions of women across our country that made the choice to get an abortion. Mm-hmm. And you've got something for them as well. Yes, we do. Uh, since 1973, there have been over 57, almost um, 60 million abortions in our country. And That's just our country. People need to understand that. The entire population of California, New York, and most of Florida that's been aborted. Exactly. Um, around the world, it's 43 million a year. And so <laughs> that's just per year. And so um, th- there, that's a lot of hurting people. And, a, and many women and even men who go through the trauma of an abortion go, suffer through um, post-traumatic shock, um, sort of. Uh, it's very similar symptoms, suicidal thoughts, anger, uh, depression, guilt. There's a lot going on. And 
it plagues them for many times, many decades. And so Passages is a post-abortion grief support program. It's a nine-week Bible study. We have groups for women. We have groups for men. We have it on both sides of Bay. We use a variety of curriculum um, to help them find that place of healing and recovery so they can be forgiven and set free from this past choice through God, through his forgiveness. And I think probably the biggest key that you just said there is that there are millions suffering. Millions and suffering. you don't ever hear that from the other side of the argument. They're always, you know, the, the pro-abortion people are always talking about, hey, it's a woman's right to choose, a woman's right to choose. Really? But she did you ever tell her how her life's going to be affected forever? She's never going to be the same? Yeah. Uh, I mean, it's... And it's that, and nobody ever talks about the man in the equation because it wasn't his choice. You know, it didn't take two to create the baby, but it's not his choice to get rid of the baby. Uh, and so the pro-abortion folks just completely ignore the man's role in that right. and the regret that he may have. Yeah, and a lot of men don't even know that it's happened till after the fact. But sometimes it is the man's choice. Sometimes he's the one pressing the woman to have the abortion. But then they'll feel guilt later on as well, especially mm. as they go into parenthood. Um, through different avenues, and then they begin to realize what they gave up at at that point. And so we want to help them find healing, recovery, wholeness out of the brokenness that they experience and the silence that they experience. And, you know, if the statistics are accurate, anywhere from 20 to 40 percent of the women in the pews on Sunday morning have an abortion in their past. And it's got to be. You got it's got to be those kinds of numbers. Right. And so, you know, and they won't talk about it. Um, and so it's and really the church important. doesn't talk about it. The church doesn't talk about it. And thank you to the pastors who do. Uh, but there's a lot of pastors who don't speak about it. And there's a lot of churches that won't touch the issue. And we really need to get these women and these men into groups where they can find that healing. It's it's. It changes them for the better when they bring healing to that. They're then able to open up up about this thing that have, they have been silent about for so very long. And when you see the recovery and the difference in the women, we wish we could take pictures of them the first night they walk in and the last night that they walk out. Because they go from being um, unable to make eye contact and being ashamed that they're there to walking out in victory. And I think that's what it's going to look like for all of us when Jesus comes back, is that we're going to shed the... the the pain of this world and walk into the hope of tomorrow. And so, so you've got a pregnancy center to help women just understand what's what their choices truly are. Then you've got abortion recovery groups called Passages. But then on the positive side, you guys several years ago started have you had a birthing center yes. created. So you actually help women have children. Yes, Breath of Life Women's Health and Birth Center is uh, the only accredited birth center in the state of Florida. We opened our doors in 2007. We have um, welcomed 600 babies into our um, community through uh, the birth center. It's the only Christ-centered birth center uh, that we're aware of in, in the area and the only one um, operated by a pregnancy center. But it's open to all women in the community. Um, we take insurance, Medicaid, um, and self-pay, and it's a complete midwifery practice. Mm. So midwifery. Midwifery. So that you have, it's all midwives driven. All midwives and all natural childbirth. And um, if you're pregnant, if you're thinking about having a family, 
uh, call and find out the difference and come for a tour. Yeah, absolutely. And honestly, I've been on that tour. It's an impressive place, and Martha and I are long since done having children, but it is. we have recommended and sent many people over there. It is very, very impressive. All right, also there, they've got More to Life, which you have to read more about that, and also Shepherd's Village. We don't have enough time to talk about those. Just go to newlifesolutions.org, newlifesolutions.org, and you can find out about everything that they're doing. All right, as we come to the end of another I Work For Him show, picture this, if you will. We've been talking all about the upcoming I Work For Him marriage retreat cruise. February 5th through the 9th, 2015, we would like, Martha and I would like to personally invite you and your spouse to come alongside of us and spend five days on the open seas working on your marriage, developing relationships with other couples that also want to work on their marriages. This cruise costs $1,040 for a couple for five days, four nights on the sea. That includes your parking, your tips, your taxes, the whole deal. Please consider coming. We need you to register soon. Just look on our website, iworkforhim.com, iworktheenumber4him.com. All the details are one of the tabs on the left. Just look up for cruise. On tomorrow night's I Work For Him show, we'll be continuing our discussion on the, this week's theme, Women in the Workplace. We've got Val Harwell. She'll be joining us to talk about overcoming gender challenges in the workplace. Val is a former CEO and has now a consultant, but she is a dynamic woman, and she'll be sharing about her experiences overcoming gender challenges in the workplace. Tune in tomorrow night at 5 following Dave Ramsey. The I Work For Him show is all about purposefully equipping vibrantly effective Christ followers in the workplace. You're listening to the I Work For Him show with your host, Jim Brangenberg. I'm a Christ follower who owns my own business, but ultimately, I work for him.